Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 21 91. Welcome to Crunch Time. Revolt onto the crumb, hand passed into the pocket, Stack will give it, Morris Rioli, yes, got his boot to it. Socket it through, and he's got two in a minute. Shuey tried to tell it away, Morris Rioli again, he's kicked his third. He bobs up at the top of the square with a lovely crumbing snap. Pushes it wide for Bolton, where's Lynch? He's running back to the goal square. It's just wedged up and he'll take the mark and kick his seventh. Ross has got footy in hand. It will be a merciful sound at Optus Stadium. A monstrous win from Richmond. It tallies at 109 points on a putrid night for the Eagles at home. Oh, it was good. Obviously, the, the boys played a you know pretty good brand of footy. Looked like a Richmond game uh, from the outset, so we're pretty pleased with the way it went. There's always going to be, from a coaching point of view, areas that we can improve, but I thought we were pretty strong in all facets of the game tonight, which is a sort of went to work a little bit during the week after disappointing performance last week. Um, and we've got some things we need to get better at, and the boys you know, did a good job in improving those this week. The Tigers dish out a Friday night mauling to a hapless and hopeless West Coast. The big guns fired and the biggest of all is about to return, prompting the question, what might Richmond and Dusty still be capable of in season 2022? Kennedy's circling, he's looking for his 700th goal, he's going to get it now! Yes! Hold on. He grabs the jumper in celebration and pride. This is not exactly how he might have imagined, but it doesn't take away from the sense of achievement for Josh Kennedy, who began his career mid two decades ago as a young Carlton hopeful, found himself on the other side of the country as a result of a trade involving Chris Judd, and now he's reached 700 goals and is one of the finest forwards to ever strap the boots on. He, he's a warrior. He, he can't play every game, but he is at the moment, and he's just getting himself up for the team. So um, Shannon's the same. Like they need, a, they need a rest at some stage, but just where we're at, they really want to lead, and I'm sure he's not playing for, for goals, but to kick 700. Like He's a champion. Everyone loves JK, and so they should. He's, he's an absolute legend of our footy club. On a largely miserable night for West Coast, George Kennedy registers the last great milestone of his career, becoming the 25th player to reach the 700-goal threshold. The Grundy one is, um, I, I, I think we shouldn't react to that. That that looks like a freak of nature type incident. The Pitnet and Darcy one is probably the more concerning one. That's, that's the one, if I've lost two or three set of dances in a row, I'm doing what Pitnet and Darcy do. I'm cracking in as hard as I can. If you've got a ruckman who's standing there underneath the ball with his eyes on the ball ready to tap it, and the opposition is running straight at him with his knee up, just staring right at him, and that poor, that poor ruckman who's solely going for the ball cops an injury and is out for three months, I think that... There's got to be a few things that we need to look at. Maybe it's a good thing as we get further into the season that more of the players and coaches are, are now going through this now. I think the senior coach has to be the last bastion of hope. He needs to be the last bloke to give up on the game, the contests, the month, the season. I think that his job is to always find a way and to believe that 
you're going to win. I, I don't think there's anything delusional. I, I still don't think there's anything delusional after round six. And a combative week driven by conflicts on and off the field gives way to a pivotal set of matches. Fremantle's fortunes are rising. And ahead of a significant test in Geelong, Chief Executive Simon Garlic joins us. This is the Round 7 edition of Crunch Time. From many perspectives, it's a Friday night best forgotten. It probably is confession time, unless you are the hardiest of Richmond fans. Who made it through to 10 to 11 on the East Coast? I was rostered to work, so I got there. There's no way known by choice I would have made it through. And to those who are proposing the end of the floating fixture, Your Honour, Exhibit A. Jared Waitley with you for crunch time. Kane Corns is with me. Hello, Kane. Uh, Jared, you're right. I, I got to half time. I'm going to be completely honest with you. Friday's an early start, so I was off. I was looking for Shawshank Redemption. I thought surely one of the other channels is playing Shawshank Redemption for the 15th time in the last three years. They weren't, so I switched off, and that doesn't happen very often. So you are right. It is the best case for the floating fixture we've seen in some time. You will have between 300,000 and 500,000 friends, I think. And as the dollars are being talked about around the TV rights, I think if you are holding a candle for 23 rounds published at the start of the year, I would give up on that idea. Dermot Brereton, did you make it all the way? Well, let's just say I'm the type of person, had I been born 2,000 years ago, I would have gone to watch the Christians being thrown to the Lions. So, (laughs) yes, I watched the entirety of the game. Game. Yeah, there's something ghoulish about it, but you've got to know, Jared. you have to know what goes wrong when it goes horribly wrong. So I was there for the duration. That is a glimpse into your black soul, Dermot. <laughs> <laughs> Sam Edmund rounds out our quartet. Hello to you, Sam. G'day, Jared. G'day, Kane. Derms here with me as well. No, Jared, I was all for the mercy rule at home. I, I tapped out at <laughs> halftime and uh, the, the bed was calling. So uh, it looked as though I missed, uh, well, an absolute, uh, well, we're going to get into it shortly, an absolute schmozzle. But uh, where do West Coast go from here is what concerns me the most. So we got nine rounds at the start of the year and then we've been dreamt drip fed uh, one drop and this week we got the second drop which features the return of Thursday night and Friday night so while we make jokes around the floating fixture Sam this this is the powerful reason why you can't be locked in uh, to, to the duration of a season No 100% and we just got the last uh, well a month long chunk didn't we the other day rounds 12 to 15 the buy rounds if you will I'm all for the floating fixture but when you get a floating fixture from rounds 12 to 15 and you reward a team like Essendon who are one and five with three consecutive Friday night games. I mean, I thought that was the whole point of the floating fixture, Jared. Yes, to remain agile in the face of COVID, COVID, but to safeguard the blockbuster, if you will, to safeguard the prime time slots. And I'm not sure we've got that. Mm. Well, West Coast have now declared rebuild, so they have to be kept away from all the feature slots from here on. Just before we delve further into last night, Sam, I think everyone of a Melbourne persuasion and everyone who's hoping that there might be chinks in Melbourne's armour are sweating on further COVID results. What is the tally heading toward 4.35 this afternoon? What did Donald Trump famously say, Jared? Slow the testing down. Just stop (laughs) testing. Well, mercifully, Melbourne don't have to do any more tests before for today's game. The protocol state they can roll up to the MCG for this 4.35 game against Hawthorne 
And look, assuming Clayton Oliver doesn't show with symptoms, then they'll be all fine to go. So first it was Simon Goodwin. Then on Wednesday, it was the trio of Jackson, Pickett, Sparrow. Day off Thursday, but late in the day, Harrison Petty tested positive. And then late yesterday at the captain's run, Alex Neil Bullen, who was actually fine at training, it must be said, returned a negative, multiple negatives. But then as we know with the rat test later in the day, he went down. So we're looking at five players and the coach aren't going to play against uh, the Hawks today. This is the one time in... The last two years. I'm all for testing. <laughs> Get into it, guys. Bring them out. <laughs> no, but you'll sta- you can go stand at the gates there and test them on the way in. <laughs> I reckon Box Hill have got a better chance uh, of beating, what do they call their reserves out there now? Casey. Casey yep. than, than the Hawks have of beating the Demons, yeah. Yeah, but at least a couple of handy tops back, though, Jared. Of course, so, uh, Lever comes back in. Viney comes back in. They bat oh so deep. I wonder what the tipping point might have been for Durham. How many more might have needed? <laughs> to go out. You need to lose Max as well and maybe... We need them to have eight first-game players out there. Five is a decent-sized cluster, so we'll see in the twilight what that looks like. The biggest question you come away from last night with is, is what to do with it? So, Richmond's get everything that they wanted out of the night. You could tell there was... Dermot, I felt there was a stench about it in the first eight minutes. Yes. Richmond knew what was on offer. And we were starting to forecast between 100 and 120 points. And, and that was in the early minutes of the match. I can't remember too many encounters where it was so clear, so quickly, what the sum total was going to be. Jason Castagna running onto his right foot with a, a shot on offer to snap on his correct foot at goals. Turns and goes back inside past the traffic chasing him, albeit a one-man traffic, to snap on his left foot. It just said, this is a training run. There are a couple of things to look at here. I went through the the Eagles list. Their 11 best or core players, 11 of them, six of them are over 30, and Darling turns 30 in five weeks' time. So that's an enormous chunk. And then you've got blokes like Kelly, because he took the long way around. He's 27 already. So they are an ageing list as well. It's a slightly different aspect I take here, but I dislike the fact in AFL football that we are an elite footballing competition. And week in, week out, because of the way we structure, we have players having to go out in this elite competition who clearly aren't ready for the grade. And I, and I picked, and clearly aren't ready for the grade. I had the Giants with four last night, which pretty well means after, uh, after your, uh, your first injury sub, you've got to have one of them on the ground at some, st- at some stage. And as they get more physically tired, they just can't compete. They're just not ready. There are reserve grade players, journeymen, who would have been better suited to playing last night. And I'm not saying let's put them in. I don't know what the answer is, but we have got too many boys playing at the elite level each week who are clearly not ready. And and the Eagles had their handful of them out there last night. What does it say about expansion then, Derm? Well, expansion might bring in people such as uh, uh, Levi Kasbot. You know what he is, and he's gone to the Suns, but he's a competitor. You know what you're going to get. I mean, you could drop Levi Caswell into the Eagles team last night and he would have been better mm. up forward than everyone bar uh, 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 Kennedy. 
Mm. Um, so th- that's what I'm trying to say. There is room for players who are thereabouts rather than because of the formation of lists where we have to play. Uh, and O'Neill, Stranatica. Yeah. But there's a tipping point, isn't there? These boys aren't ready. They've reached the tipping point, though. Absolutely, they have. I know there's been conditions placed upon them with what's transpired with the state they're in and how COVID has affected them early. They... On top of that, they got very poor leadership. I think Kennedy's Kennedy and McGovern were the two to really have a crack on every effort. But I was disappointed in Shuey. Perhaps he's still carrying. Really, really disappointed after he's earned points again, Liam Ryan. I mean, he came off like he'd been shot, and then a goal was on offer, and he went back on, and a goal was on offer, and he reached a full tilt sprint for 80 metres. That says where your mind's at. You're playing on your terms. So how yeah. far-reaching should the judgments be on West Coast Kane uh, well, on a performance like that combined with it? So they have suffered a complete collapse in competitiveness over the past three weeks. Well, there's a, there's a fair bit to it, Jared. The, the first point is that this shouldn't mask. So what they've gone through this year with injuries and COVID shouldn't mask where they were at coming into the year. Prior to all the COVID stuff, there was a cliff coming for the Eagles that was staring them in the face that they didn't want to acknowledge. And that's been building for 18 months, two years. Now they've said the club's in a transition phase for the last four years. We'll we'll challenge that in a second. But when you don't have a top 10 draft pick for 10 years, and the last one is Andrew Gaff, and when your last first-round draft pick prior to last year was Jared Brander, who's not on the list, there's no escaping what is coming for you. When you give massive contracts to Gaff, McGovern, Nat Nui, Kelly... Darling, Oscar Allen, it's coming for you. Like so, so the mistakes that have been made with this list management is there for us all to see, but no one will acknowledge that because of the issues and that they've been through this year. But this was all happening prior, and I've written about this multiple times in the West Australian paper. They didn't want to acknowledge that they needed to re- rebuild this group, and that needed to happen two years ago. Now we're at the position now where okay, everyone acknowledges we need to rebuild. But you needed to rebuild two years ago. So they're just the mistakes that they've made in this list, giving up what they gave up for Tim Kelly. So you can mention the players that aren't at AFL level, but you know, Tim Kelly had 12 clangers last night from 21 disposable. Like, that must be a record. 12 clangers from 21. But they're obligated Next. to try and get him to the club, aren't they? Oh, Tim Kelly being a West Australian, perfect fit. At that stage, they thought the window was still open and they needed an inside ball winner with a little bit of wheels. He was he was actually the prototype for what they needed. You remember what they gave up for him, though? 16, they gave up a fair bit. 38 and a future first. It was the yeah. equivalent in the, in the points index of... Between pick one and two. They basically gave up pick one. So, but, but when you're talking about when you think the window is open, and most of us, judging it, thought their window was still open after they won the premiership, and then they fell off the next year in that clearance area. I mean, Sydney won a premiership and thought they could win more by getting Lance Franklin. Mm. He's been glorious, but they haven't won another one since, and they gave up a stack too. It, so, so you have to give up something if you think the window is open. Yeah, one player and to ignore, and because they'd ignored the draft for so long, even prior to that, so any pick they'd had, they'd sort of dished it. Not dissimilar to, I guess, the way that Geelong have done it, albeit Geelong have found some, they've been a bit more clever in the way that they've been able to get the Mm -hmm. more mature players that have been able to come in and make an impact. But you just, 
Event, you ignore the draft for that long, and we're talking 10 years. Like, compare Melbourne's top 10 draft picks in the period where West Coast haven't had one, and it's no surprise the difference between where those clubs are at. Well, so, yeah, it's just there's a lot of pain coming, and finally they're at the realisation of that. Yeah, no doubt. But what do, you, what do you do now for the rest of the year? I mean, we're round seven, Jared. We're round, how, how are they going to deal with um, the beltings that are going to come? I, I thought Mark Duffield is an experienced journal over there. He, he, he wrote it brilliantly this morning. He said, Mick Moldhouse would say the AFL is carnivorous. It preys on the weak. And this is where the once mighty West Coast finds itself this AFL season. They are the weak. Vulnerable teams get chewed up and spat out in this competition. And it just doesn't happen once. It continues to happen. I thought that was very well summed up by a, a person who follows them pretty closely. So this was Adam Simpson last night. Is David King for a few weeks has been saying, when will he publicly pull the ripcord? Well, at one and six after just the second triple-figure defeat at home in Perth in their history, Simpson went to it. We're clearly not at the level at the moment and there's so many areas to fix. It's going to take time. No doubt we're in transition. Yeah, absolutely. But we we still need leadership. Um, We still need... Well, we still need JK at the moment. We still need Shannon Hearn. And there's plenty of room for our kids at the moment with what we've got. So we've exposed 37 players so far this year and five waffle players. So there's going to be plenty of opportunity to get some games into some of our younger players and see where they're at, you know, see see what we can do to assess our list in the next 15 weeks. Um, so there's going to be plenty of opportunity for the younger players to come through and we'll get a pretty clear picture where we're at by the end of the year. We have uh, obviously deviated a fair bit from three years ago. Uh, you know, and no one wants to be in the situation we're in right now. So, But we are. So, you know, the quicker we can accept what's happening and um, be aware of it and action it to, to improve, the better we'll get. So, you know, this hasn't been just tonight. You know, it's it's been it's been here for most of the year and Regardless of what's happened, we we are in a period of transition, no doubt. So that's acceptance of a reality, Sam. How how long will it take? Yeah, well, it's it, the way I look at it, just coming back a fraction, it's almost Hurricane West Coast because it's the perfect storm in, in many ways. I mean, he's a club who, as we know, have used 42 players by round seven, decimated A by injury, B by COVID, and as Kane says, it has coincided with the closing of the premiership window. So they're three massive factors, and you do fear for them because – they are, as Kane said, the only club in the comp that haven't had a top 10 pick in the past decade. They had no players aged under 21 last night. But I'm not sure they ignored the draft. So if we put Tim Kelly aside, it does point to a side that's basically never bottomed out. I mean, they're averaging 14 wins across their past 11 years, dating back to that four-win campaign in 2020. And that difficult era off the back of the drug saga and the premiership success they had at that time. So, yes, they gave up too much for Tim Kelly. But if you go back through their draft history, I mean, they, they used a first-round pick in the draft just gone. They used a first-round pick in 2017, 2016, 2014, 2013. So their first-round picks, though, haven't been at that real pointy end because credit to them, they've been in contention for so long. When you go back yeah. and have a look at the win-loss, it is an amazing period of consistency. Are they West Australian choices with their first, first picks? Uh, I'd have to go back and have a look. Players. No, Campbell Chester wasn't. Sandringham Dragons Sandringham. just gone. Yeah. Yep. Um, and then you go back to Jared Brander, who was obviously out but, of but Bendigo. There's a, fair gap, there's a fair gap there between 2021 and 2017. Like that's You just sort of glossed over into the haven't, uh, haven't ignored the draft. There's a 
large chunk between 2021 and But Tim Kelly is the like, only yeah. Tim Kelly is the only player they've sold the farm for in that period. When you go back mm. and have a look at their trade periods and granted that that was the biggest pick of trade of its kind basically and as I said equivalent almost to, to pick one. I mean it was frightening what they gave up for him and he sadly now isn't the player that he was in the hoops at Geelong but aside from that Show me a player where they've they've paid above and beyond for at the trade table. Is it the worst place to be in the middle? Like you're saying in contention, but they haven't really gone anywhere near being a premiership contender since 2018. Yeah, 15 wins in 2019, but you win one final, uh, 2020, 2021. So if you're in that middle rung, it's the worst spot to be for those for those reasons. Now, Adam Simpson, ninth year as coach now. There's going to be a significant rebuild. Questions are going to come about. Is he up for it? Is he up for it? And and is he Leon Cameron? Is he Ken Hinkley? It's all it's all around that it's, nine ten year period. Yep. And the pressure. So the pressure's coming. Can he sustain the pressure from the West Coast fans? Go to social media this morning and just check out what they're saying. Not dissimilar to. Leon Cameron and Ken Hinckley, is he up for a five-year rebuild? That's what's, that's what's going to take. Yeah, so he's coming up to the decade. He's contracted until the end of 2024, which is a, which is a pretty big fact to, to overlook. But we know that clubs are safeguarded against this now from the AFL when it comes to payout and severance clauses and the like. So he's got a full two years after this one would be something that jumps off so the page. Then. We've concentrated a little bit on, on Tim Kelly. Which of us, had we been sitting in the Brains Trust at the West Coast Eagles, they were, uh, well, forget me, years, 218 they won, 2018, yep. 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 They had a downer in 2019. Which of us, between t- season 2019 and 2020, well, which of us wouldn't have said, no, you're not allowed to trade for you, Tim Kelly? You say they had a downer in 2019. I mean, if you count the final, they won, they won 16 games. Yeah. They won 16 so games. So which, which of us, when I say downer, well, they didn't get yep. to the... the, the the preliminaries. Which of us would have said no? You're not allowed to go hard and 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 trade out uh, picks to get Tim Kelly. I, I would have put my hand up straight away mm. if I'm sitting on their brains trust and say, "Go hard, go for it." Mm. He's our missing link. Which of us wouldn't have? Yeah, I I don't know. Um, I'm probably pro- not sure how I can answer that at the time. Going back to that point, but I can guarantee I wouldn't have given Andrew Gaff the money that he got. And okay. I can guarantee you I wouldn't have given McGovern a million dollars for, for Different conversation, though. That's yeah, a slightly but, 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 different but conversation. It's not because it's all, it's all involved in how you put your list together. The fact that they're bursting with their salary cap and they're the last team on the ladder is the worst possible position you can be in. The, you want to completely flip that. You want to be at the bottom North Melbourne and you've got, you've got millions in the salary cap to go and spend and to go and sort of improve your list. They've got no levers to pull here. They've got no draft picks coming through. They've got no money to spend, and they're last. Mm. So it's just it's the perfect The one saving grace they've got, though, Kane, is apart from the handful of kids growing up that like that love the Dockers, who yeah. live in that area, everyone in West Australia wants to play for the Eagles. Everyone. And I've always felt, from the word go, they hid players. They hid Kempy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's where I still go back to I don't to think that. there's a Dean Kemp hiding yeah. in the woods at the moment, though. There, you can't tell me there's not some seriously talented players hiding out there that just say, I'm not interested. Da, 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 da. There will be players who will 
cut their little pinky off to play nah, for the I, West Coast I don't Eagles. agree with that, Dermot. You don't? Because, no, because I think that the whole genesis of this conversation is that they missed Tim Kelly repeatedly in the draft and that they missed Shea Bolton, which when you're watching last mm. night, go they, they had a pick before Richmond for Shea Bolton and they left Kelly on the table year after year after year. Mm, so yeah. he talked to him. Talk, talk he was good last out. night, Bolton, too, wasn't he? His yeah, pace we'll out of the front side of the pack was extraordinary. Yeah, it was it was amazing. So so ne- so now let's do it now. So I watched Fox footy last night, and, and Ralphie says the Eagles are right into Luke Jackson. They're, so they're right in. He hasn't made a commitment yet to Melbourne, and he's discussing his future. Do you do Luke Jackson now, considering he's not a free agent, he's going to cost you... I don't know how they'd even do it, but he's going to cost you two top tenors probably, Sam, or certainly two first yeah. round. And he's going to cost you a million bucks a year for a player who <laughs> isn't playing like a million dollars. He's the flavour of the month, but is he... Is he Correct. So, is he so different did, to Oscar so, Allen? So you can't... Oh, yeah, he's more athletic you, than Oscar you, Allen, isn't you he? You cannot Ooh. responsibly do that deal, I don't think, if you're West Coast. Can if, I, you're can re, we... if you're rebuilding. Jared, the, can... the first question, Kane, is <laughs> what year do you want to return to contention? So that they have to sit down and go, okay, this is a, a two-year, this is a three-year, or this is a four-year. And if it's a four-year, then you would be mad to go and do those deals right at the start. Is mm. The first is you have to go mm. deep into the draft across two years and accumulate the massive picks that they haven't had. And they're clearly going to finish in the bottom three this year from here. So that's the starting point. You, you're actually jettisoning before you're bringing in so, so if you're asking me, I'd do the Tim Kelly deal. I, I can't remember back to whether I would, but I wouldn't be doing Luke Jackson. No, no way would I be doing. Hang that. On, look now, at it. Look at it the other way. Do we overcomplicate it? Why would Luke Jackson go to leave Melbourne and go to West Coast? There is only money. one. Oh, that's big, the big money. Only reason, and that is the only reason. And even that would be a stretch to leave. Not and, money and family. Family though. Yeah. Well, if he's the homesick type, but everything we hear is that he's well and truly happy at so Melbourne. So you basically. Change clubs for three reasons. Location, i.e. family, money, or opportunity. Yep. He's got his opportunity. He's going to get an opportunity wherever he is. They're in contention. Money might help. Family will help. Success, team yeah. success. Is I wouldn't thing. go for him right now because I think Oscar Allen's got a lot of growth and I think Oscar mm. Allen can be as much as people love Luke Jackson at the moment. I'm I'm all in on Oscar Allen. Yeah, so, anyway. if, I, if I'm advising Luke Jackson, say sign for two years at Melbourne, yep. see how many flags you've won by then, and West Coast, they'll be three times as keen when they're actually ready to rise than and, they are as they plummet to the bottom. And the Eagles are clearly planning for life after Nick Natanui because Tim English is the other one. Now, now Tim Ang- English is at a contract at, at uh, the Western Bulldogs. They've only just had preliminary talks there. West Coast have said, we're here and we're interested, but until you say you want to come home, we won't back the truck up. So that's that's where that one sits as well. <laughs> and they will. So They'll have to. That's the West Coast scenario. We'll get to the Richmond side of the equation. What do you take out of last night from a Tigers perspective? You're listening to Crunch Time. The award-winning crunch time. Oh, listen, you, you've got to understand where our well, opponent tonight is. You know, they've had a, a horrible, horrible run. You know, trying to train at the very highest level of sport, I feel, is, is tough. And so they're, you know, they've had their challenges. So um, we can only play the opposition we're granted. But, you know, I sort of look at West Coast and we're fortunate to play them now. Back into the year, they're going to get a hell of a lot better. 
Um, you know, Simo's done a hell of a job to keep him up and about for this long. But, um, you know, from our performance, we'll get another test next week. You know, can we sustain it against a, an opposition such as Collingwood? We'll wait and see. That was Damien Hardwick in the aftermath of last night. So Jaden Short into the middle, worked an absolute treat early. Tom Lynch, game 200, kicked seven goals, five. And Shea Bolton was absolutely electrifying in all that, in all that he was able to do. Kane Corns, and I don't know, how, how far do you run the rule over Richmond after a night like that? Uh, it's, a bit like, it's a bit like Port Adelaide last week or anyone that's played them recently, you don't take much out of it other than it gets you feeling good about yourself, gets you playing the brand of football that you want to play against a, a weak opponent and it gets some of your key players back into form. Um, I just don't know how deep they are through the midfield, Richmond. That's that's always been the area that I've been concerned about them uh, this year. So Short definitely helped there. Jared, you mentioned that and he's, he, he was terrific. So maybe they found something there. Dustin Martin comes back potentially next week, which, which is definitely going to help. But uh, I know Cochin didn't play, but he's clearly not the Cochin that we know. So I, I would have question marks over the depth of their midfield against good, opponent, uh, good opponents. Dermot? Yeah, I thought they were extraordinary out of the middle. Um, short going in there, he's ki- well, not so much playing as a, a, the true midfield. He got three centre-bounce clearances, which is fantastic getting on the end of the good work against a, uh, an inferior opponent. But he's kicking... Inside forward 50 was fantastic. Shea Bolton was the one for me. 15, and I'm not huge on stats. I love that. Score involvement. When it backs up, when it backs up what you're seeing, I'm more that see it, think about it, and then go to the stats and tell me if that is real according to the stats. 15 scoring involvements was extraordinary. And I think the most devastating thing, given the 666 rule, is a player who can take the ball at the centre bounce in the centre circle and exit out the front of the circle and no one catches him. Every back line, that is their worst nightmare. And he did it half a dozen times. He was unbelievably good. I've got another stat for you then. 28. So that was 20 goals, 8 from turnover. That's what Richmond scored last night. The second most ever recorded. 20 goals, 8 from West Coast mistakes. So... Is this just an asterisk game, though, for, for Richmond, with all, with all due respect? I mean, we're really looking at next week when they're playing Collingwood. I mean, that's a game, isn't it, that's really going to tell us where Richmond are at. And sure, they're going to take truckloads of confidence out of this. Dusty comes back. Maybe Short stays in there now. We've seen him come in and out historically. So maybe they found a few things as well where they played Noah Bolter and the like. But 20 goals, 8 from turnover, Jared. That's yeah, just laying 70... out the red carpet. Yeah, it was 76 out of 79 points to half time, which is just frankly absurd. Yep. Yeah. Um, and so all the, all the champion, so that's unsustainable. Yes, that, that's going to be a freak of nature. What does it mean when Dusty comes back, Kane? Well, just a, a massive psychological boost as well. Um, and it, it, it definitely puts them in finals contention. Like, I, I, I sort of had Richmond in and around, you know, six to 10 maybe this year. Now, you add that quality back in they're definitely good enough to compete and to win a final considering how close how close the season is and the bottom you know sort of from five to 14 is pretty even in the competition so I just think it puts them um, in the the contention to really beat anyone that they play on any given day when you get that quality back Grimes back in there now you know Prestia hopefully gets a decent run of it albeit he, he didn't have a massive impact last night uh, Cochin fresh off a break. So 
Yeah, and, and then Dustin Martin, the best player in the competition, still comes back in. So it's, it's going to be handy, I reckon. Presti subbed out, Jared, too, obviously. With yeah, some, was, with that, some, was that an issue, Sam? Or? Yeah, with some Achilles calf soreness. So, again, you just mm. your heart sinks from doesn't because you just cannot get a clean run at it. So it'll be obviously closely he, monitored this week. Do, I was looking at it, and I admittedly, I didn't see when he first took his boot off. Did he? Does he play without ankle strapping? It was unclear, Dermot, whether they'd picked the shot up after taken the ankle yeah, strapping yeah. off. Or, so there was certainly none on there, but he was sitting there with his sock off, which indicated that he might have done that maintenance beforehand. Yeah, yeah. But normally, you see, it's, it's, it's bad as it sounds, you see a bit of gum left on the on the skin. and But there was it looked really clean. It looked like an ankle that doesn't get taped. That's just... just <laughs> trying, I couldn't believe it when I saw it and I thought, no, that's no... We used to get fined if we didn't tape our ankles. <laughs> um, <laughs> but you roll around. The one thing I'd say about Dusty... Awesome that he comes back. And I'm hearing some people in the media say, oh, you can play him as a permanent forward. You can if you're beating a team anyway because that means he'll get isolation and one-on-one. And in isolation one-on-one, he can hip out and then take a contested mark, but it'll be a chest mark. He's very good at that. If you want to play him as a a stay-at-home pseudo key forward, against similar opposition, you've got to be able to mark above your head with a bit of a jump. He doesn't do that. So the way he scores in those types of the games is have midfield minutes, then goes forward and gets a little isolated match-up for more forward line mm. minutes, which he can hip out and take those types of marks. I agree with that. It's, it's the, it's the Bontempelli debate a little bit, isn't it? Um, um, so where do you use him? He looked great mm. against North Melbourne when you beat up on North, but not as great when it wasn't running their way against the Crows last week. Kane Corns, Dermot Burton, Jared Waitley and Sam Edmund with you on Crunch Time today. So those are the events of last night. There's plenty of issues to chew over. But our attention is drawn west, and today the Dockers have come to put their credentials on the table. They sit second on the ladder. They're in Geelong to face the Cats. Their Chief Executive, Simon Garlick, coming up next. The award-winning Crunch Time. Of the teams that have grabbed the attention and the admiration, I think, through the first six rounds of the season, right at the top of that pile is Fremantle. They are in Geelong this afternoon to face uh, what looks like a pretty stern test, and the Chief Executive, Simon Garlick, is with me in the box. Simon, welcome to Crunch Time. Thanks for having me on, Jared. We have been talking about uh, West Coast, obviously. What, What opportunity does it offer Fremantle? to have the, the big team in town who are going to live the season at the bottom of the ladder by their own estimations now, and you're up and going. Yeah, it's interesting. I haven't lived through it. You know, I'm into my third season at, at the club and, you know, obviously getting a far greater understanding of the local market. Um, funnily enough, I don't think there's been a time where both clubs... Or there's only been a couple of times where both clubs have been right up the top ends of the ladder. Um, they've never played a final against each other in Perth, for instance. Um, so it's going to be a new experience for me, and you know, obviously, yeah, it sounds like a stock standard answer, but it's it's very much the way I and our club look at it that we try to focus on ourselves. I think historically, because West Coast are just such an anomaly in terms of their size and power and strength and financial capability, um, they're 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 a bit of an outlier. And so I've actually made a real point since coming in that Shaw will take a look at what they're doing, but just like we would with Geelong or Collingwood or the New England Patriots or whatever it might be to take the right bits rather than trying to measure up 
against them in a number of areas. We just really want to focus on ourselves and what we can control. Are you reassured by the start of the season? You, you didn't hide anything at the season launch when you presented the the ambitious statement, which took aim at the club's first premiership in the in the short term. Um, yeah, it, reassured is a good word. I, I think um, it's it's been uh, an encouraging start. Uh, I think we've really got to keep it in perspective, and, and you know, my job's to talk it up. But by the same token. Um, you know, I think we're coming into a period of time now when you're playing the likes of Geelong at Geelong. have been a benchmark for so long. You know, we've got a stretch where we, we're going to encounter Brisbane and Melbourne as well. So I think in six weeks' time, we'll have a far greater understanding of exactly where we sit in the whole scheme of things. But having said that, it's been a really encouraging start. There's, there's a lot of really positive signs that we thought we were going to start to see this year as, as a natural level of progression, and they're starting to come through, which is pleasing. Did you take... Uh, very clear aim at the finals this year? Yeah, as you said, we've been really open and transparent. I, I don't know if it made as much media here over east, but it certainly caused a bit of stir in our hometown where we talked about the fact that we, we are aiming to win a premiership in both AFL and AFLW, at least one in each of the, the competitions by 2025. We broke that down to three top four finishes. So we've set our, our sights um, yeah, certainly, absolutely on finals contention. And and it's actually a great day to be at Geelong because you think about Geelong, I think I've missed finals twice in the last 20 years. You know, We're aiming to be a club that doesn't make a finals run um, haphazardly and is inconsistent. Uh, there's there's precedence to, with the likes of Sydney and Geelong and Hawthorns where they've been sustainably contending and, and that's what we're aiming for. So, um, yeah, finals is a natural part of that. Did you run the exercises? What would be the downside of making this public or uh, are you happy to aspire and if you fail fail big yep well the downside is the ceo probably gets the boot jerry so um <laughs> had to be pretty frank about that um oh, we yeah we didn't think about it we run the club on behalf of our members so it kind of makes sense that they have an involvement or an understanding of the path that the club's on you know we basically they're our shareholders so it makes a hell of a lot of sense that we talk to them about our aspirations and Absolutely, you you put your, your your head up, and, and it can and it can get get kicked off um, if you don't quite achieve it. But we'd much prefer to be a club that has those aspirations and goals and has a go at it, rather than quietly talking about it internally. And if we don't make it, then it doesn't matter so much. Simon, did you consciously build from the back? Like I I think your backline compares with maybe not with Melbourne, but next best rung with Pierce and Logue and Cox and Ryan Young, Chapman. Was that a conscious decision? Oh, I think it's it's certainly something, Kane, as you've alluded to, that the, the sides that have been sustainably competitive and strong have always been had that as a bedrock to the, the, their club and, and their list. So I know David Walls and, and Belly and the whole team that run our list management process have been really keen to make sure that we've got good coverage. And ironically enough, the last couple of years, um, Pierce... Hamling, um, mm. Logues, you know, been haphazardly available. You know, Cox mm. and and Luke Ryan have been the mainstays there. But it's amazing what availability, the difference that availability makes. And and you're right, Kane. I think now that we've actually not only got those defenders who can you know do a job against the best you know key forwards as well, but getting a bit of run back there with with the likes of of, of Clark and and Walker and obviously Young and Chapman aren't in, but a young talent that's willing to take the game on is a really really pleasing mix. Should more clubs be comfortable with losing players? I look at Adam Cherry. Now, you didn't want to lose a 22-year-old gun midfielder who you'd developed for a long time, but 
At least in the early stage of the year, it hasn't hurt you because you get Will Brody for nothing. Brayshaw steps up, Sarong steps up, and others do the same. And you also go to the draft and get a great pick for him. How do you reflect on that trade for your club now? Yeah, I think it's a really interesting point, Kane. Um, I think clubs can get obsessive about maintaining a player at all costs. And I don't know if sometimes that's based upon um, not wanting to be seen as a club that's that loses a player here and there. I, I think we're... You're, you're right, it's a really interesting case because um, the fact that Adam Chera wanted to leave, we're really comfortable with the fact that it wasn't based upon something that was occurring at a club. It was a regretted... You know, there's a term called regretted resignation. It doesn't quite apply in this instance, but as long as you're doing what you need to do as a club, if someone wants out, I think there is a little element of objectivity where you sit there and say, okay, that's fine. What, how, we, how do we maximise this situation? Rather than you know, potentially compromising where you're going in the longer term by either paying too much or, or missing out on an opportunity. And you're right, we, we essentially the, the absolute swap for us is Jaya Miss um, because mm. we got that pick and that allowed us to get him and Neil Erasmus Two outstanding young men, local players. Um, Jai kicked five in his first waffle game last week, um, and you know the, the Jai miss of potentially three, four, five years is exactly what we need. So I think it's a really interesting concept, Kane, and one mm. that I think is certainly when we reflect upon it, it, it might turn out quite good for us. And Simon, just on this, Griffin Logue, 24 years of age, key defender, of course, out of contract. The market for key backs at the moment is so competitive. Where's things at with him? Um, he's out of contract. You've got competition for spots down there. Can you can you keep him? Yeah, absolutely, Sam. Um, Griff's really invested. As you say, he's been in and out of the side a little bit this year, and that's uh, clearly a highly um, a really healthy situation for us. And I think it's a really good thing for Griff because it's, every time he's come in, he's responded really well, and he's played some phenomenal footy when he's been in there, and he's got a, a great opportunity for us today. All you can judge is upon his level of engagement and, and investment in his teammates and, and what we're trying to do, which has been first class. Um, he's, he's a local boy. There's there's great opportunities. Um, the club's invested a lot in Griffin. He's invested a lot in the club. So I'm really os- optimistic about where that stands. There's obvious interest because of the conditions in the uh, in, in the in the AFL industry that you've mentioned. So that's going to be a natural discussion point, but I'm, I'm pretty comfortable that we'll get there. And Rory Lobb, I think it's fair to say, stunned the, the AFL industry when he put in that trade request last year. Now, for a variety of reasons, it didn't work out. Are you bracing for history to repeat there? Do you think that he could ask for a, a move come season's end or has the wheel turned? Well, again, probably in similar to the, the Kane's line of questioning, Sam, um, maybe, and and if that is to occur, then so be it. But again, Lobby's fully invested. You've seen the footy he's played in the last couple of weeks, and we've got an environment at the moment where it might not be his turn every week. Tabs had a great game a couple of weekends ago, and then you know Tabs was a bit quieter, but was working really hard and opened things up for Lobby. And he's, again, travelled with the team over this weekend, and seeing a connected and engaged group and, and, and Rory being a huge part of that. I think there's a great opportunity. He's contracted um, for a, another year after this one. He's a highly valuable commodity, obviously, given his ability to go in the ruck and he's 207 or 208 centimetres and mm. can take a contested mark. So he's a big part of our plans and you know we'll work through that at the appropriate time. There's a fair bit of him, isn't there, Galo? He's, he's a big lad. Hey, um, when you live in the same neighbourhood as somebody and something goes wrong with their garden, you, you learn from that, what dies and what flourishes, without being overly critical from what you've learnt from the Eagles, what have you done to safeguard your garden, your your area? 
Well, their garden's a lot bigger and, and a bit more plush than ours, Derm. So it's one of those ones that I think if you're looking over, you, you're thinking of what might might you might become. But um, again, probably, and this isn't an answer to not, you know, to to avoid, um, you know, a pile on that might occur with West Coast at the moment. We don't really look at them closely. Um, we certainly look at them as I mentioned earlier on, as a competitor and as an organisation that have been hugely successful and done so many things so well, but just as we do at Geelong. And, you know, it's ironic that we're at a place today that's had so much success and have been such a benchmark within our competition. So it sounds like a boring answer, um, but we're really focused on ourselves and trying to create a culture and environment that allows us to achieve what we want to achieve. And if I was to point that more directly at COVID, responses to COVID mm. and how to how to steer clear of any issue. I mean, the extraordinary circumstances they went through in round two, which they seemingly have not recovered from. What what do you guys feel that you can do better? Yeah, we, we yeah, I'm, I'm touching the desk here, which <laughs> I'm not sure if it's made of wood, but um, yeah. I'll say this with a bit of trepidation. We've been obsessive about it. Them. Yeah. And, and we're actually probably trying to be a little bit careful that we're not too over the top about it. We're in a different phase over over in Perth than, than what's happening over east. It's it's running rampant through the community at the moment um, at, at a high level. There's high caseload. It's pretty steady on a day-to-day basis, but um, we're winding back restrictions and the like. So it's a high-risk environment. So our players and our staff and even, by extension, their families and partners have have given up a fair bit for us in the sense that we're we're looking to stay away from high density areas and curtail activity and the guys have done a phenomenal job you know we're completely separated footy and admin no one no tradesmen or others are coming into the place we've gone to the nth degree and we've been fortunate we've obviously had it within the environment but it's been two one or two a week um, which is really manageable particularly when your injury list is is pretty strong so the eagles have obviously had a a fair bit of luck that's gone against them in that sense. But again, we're just trying to make sure we do what we can to, to minimise any unavailability. One of the catch-cry words in the AFL in-game and also for win-loss ratio is momentum. And given that you guys finished 10th last year, 11th, I think, you had 10 teams finish above you, you needed verification that you were on the improve. I, I, I seem to think that to give you momentum, to give you belief, that fist by that young man, Heath Chapman, could be the most important most important moment of play so far for the year for the the Fremantle Dockers give you a one point win and and now you sit at five and one with belief and momentum it's a game of inches Dan, isn't it <laughs> and, and you're right we were four or a bit goals up I think at half time hadn't kicked straight we were really dominant at that game so it, would, it, it had the potential to be a bit of a demoralising loss given the, the dominance that we held during that game um, the form line of Adelaide holds up um Chappy, just he's he's wherewithal. He's a pretty special young man, and we think he's going to be a a real player. So um, you're right; it, it got us off and going. Uh, we had a down week against the Saints the following week, but learnt a lot from that, and then have played a style of footy that is far more in tune with what we want to be, and um, get another really a great opportunity to test that against some of the best today. Are you a floating fixture guy? Uh, I, I I don't mind it. I think there's a real I think there's a balance between it where we set longer periods of certainty, but I also uh, the commercial part of me understands it and gets it, and I quite like the fact, and, and maybe this is a bit 
selfish of us at the moment. The opportunity, if sides are, are improving and playing a, a, a good brand of footy, that you've got an opportunity to get really good good slots as opposed to being set them at the start of the year when, as we know, things change so quickly. Good luck for the afternoon. Thanks for stopping by. Thanks for having me on. Simon Garlick, like like the Chief Executive of the Fremantle Dockers. They're in Geelong to face the Cats this afternoon. Uh, it's a bit overcast. It's blustery. It's a little bit chilly. It's an interesting day as the Cats and the Dockers shape up. More on Crunch Time next. The award-winning Crunch Time. The Saturday of Round 7. Thus far, we've seen a complete Friday schmozzle where Richmond took full toll on West Coast. But the real matches of this round are ahead of us. Beginning this afternoon at GMHBA Stadium, Geelong hosting Fremantle. Melbourne have five missing through COVID in the twilight when they run into Hawthorne. Tomorrow, there's the Bulldogs who simply must turn in a win against Essendon. And the climax of the round closes us off where we'll get a, a real feel for the pecking order as the Sydney Swans and Brisbane meet at the SCG. Jared Waitley, Sam Edmund, Kane Corns and Dermot Burton with you for crunch time to chew over the events of the week, the key issues that have occupied so many many minds and then we'll stray to the footy that lies in store for us. So the Ruckman have dominated a big portion of the week and Sam, it's two PCLs in three days. Mm. We'll do that. A spike, a spate, a cluster. It's a slightly broader picture. Not slightly. It's an, it's a much broader picture than that in the Ruck stocks across the competition. If you're over 200 centimetres or even close to, Jared, and you've got a semblance of ability, put your hand up for the mid-season draft because I tell you, they are in demand. Now, there's a ruck shortage across the competition at the moment, I think it's fair to say. So, at last count, 16 rucks out of action this weekend. Haven't you heard the saying, if you're, you know, under 6 foot 6, you get two years to show you can play. If you're over 6 foot 6, they they give you two years to show you can't You, 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 you can't play. 100%. Yeah. So you got Grundy, Nat Nui, Marshall, Darcy, Pitnet, Hickey, Lysett, McAvoy, Segler. The list goes on yeah. and on. Reeves. And Reeves, um, Naismith, Cherry, Jackson, Phillips. So it is amazing that the Rucks have fallen the way they have. And there's not a lot out there either, though, Jared. So if you rewind to 12 months ago, last year's mid-season draft, that was the land of the Giants. That was the Ruck draft. Four of them went in the top seven last year. Admittedly, Younger players, project players, if you like, all kids, but there was Edwards, Moyle, Lane, Heath, Murkoff. This year, we're told next to none. So I'll tell you, if you've got any ability and, and you're applying your trade at a, at a reasonable level, you're putting your hand up. Is there also the notion that they just might be a little bit more uncoordinated? <laughs> well, well, perhaps. I know I know how you feel about the Rucksar, Dermot. Class I, action I, I, Yeah. I, I bow, I'm, I'm tiptoeing backwards out of, out of that one and turning the lights off. But um, it is a fascinating watch. As far as the PCLs, uh, Jared. are we thinking, and Kane, that it's – Lightning's just struck twice here in the in the same weekend, and then we, we move on? Well, I had this discussion with Kingy yesterday. He thinks it's time to change now, and I'm saying, we'll just – I think we just need to sit back, don't we? I mean, we've had a pretty good run. It, it is a combative position that you play when you run at each other from a few metres away and go bang. So at some stage, you're bound to get an injury somewhere. And the, the second point is, what do you change it to? So if you, if you want to, if you're in the category that you want the rule changed, then it's a jump ball, or then it's a ball up where you can actually put your arm out and you wrestle at the centre bounce. So do we do we want that? Because I think it's a unique part of the game. Take it out, 
And Nick Natanui is almost rendered useless because he doesn't do much around the ground. His major weapon is what he does in the tap work and the centre bounce advantage that he gives you. So do you want to... Do you want to eradicate some player's biggest strength in the game? I'm not sure we do Very on the back true. of two injuries. Yeah. Now, no, you that's... can't have it like jousting where they where they have to glide past each other. <laughs> there is a craft to it, and it does that is part of the craft, is uh. jumping at the centre bounce. Some of the guys jump, pretend to jump early and don't jump, and then they outreach the other opponent who's jumped early. So there's this whole craft about it, and to actually get knee on knee is... It probably happens about once every hundred times they jump. True knee on knee. Of course, they make contact, but it's a fairly small target zone. Yeah. I, I think we just had... Hold. Yeah. Hold. <laughs> like William Wallace would say, yeah. Jared, hold. Yeah. yeah. So I spoke with Danny Corcoran yesterday who just walked me through the history of it. He was the footy manager at Melbourne in 2000, and the centrepiece of this was Jeff White. That's and right. Ruckman were running at each other from... 10 metres away and crashing in. And the PCL was a scourge in the game. And he was a so, jumper. Yep. yep. Neil Danaher drove it with the coaches, didn't get a lot of support. So Danny went and sat with Ian Collins and, and explained it and said, this is such a quintessential part of the sport and always has been that we have to take a step towards making it safer. And so the outer circle came in then. And just going back and looking at so the Ruckman tell us, don't worry about the Grundy one. That's a freak of nature. Mm. Study the Darcy pit net. So Darcy gets four steps in terms of momentum to bang knees with pit net. So Danny's view, I hope he doesn't mind me sharing this. I'm sort of half-assed in Is narrow the circle so that it's two steps as a starting point. So we're doing everything to keep the bounce in the ruck contest rather than shed it. And the idea if from you that... can reduce the momentum and the force with which they hit, they will still be able to take two steps and jump, but it will eradicate the bang at full Clark, force. And Clark, two steps, Clark two steps. Clark Keating would be mortified. <laughs> but off to, I can understand that, Jerry, because off four steps, there's a little pitter pitter patter, two steps, bang into it. But off two steps, all your weight. Behind the two steps is going upwards. You still have a collision, but you'd think that there wouldn't be as much grunt behind. It's such a difficult one. And then if you, I mean, there's talk that can we see the bounce being eradicated in the next five to ten years completely? It's just a throw up. Because if it's a throw up, you're going to have more knee injuries. Because the ball is accurately in between the opponents every time. And then you take the other side of it, the non-jumpers, the, the, the blokes who step across the line and want to use body. Uh, they're being penalised at this point in time. Does that then become uh, the, 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 the the poster for ruck work? Step across the line, use your body and outreach the opposition. So I think you want as many varieties of technique as, Correct. as yep. there is in the game. Yep. So. By narrowing the circle, all, all you're doing is remove is you're lessening the momentum at the moment of of collision, impact, of contest, and most of the time it's perfectly fine. So anyway, that was so. Danny was the original architect of the outer circle, and Ian Collins, who he was a pen stroke man. Yep, that makes perfect sense. We're doing it, <laughs> um, and Collo's probably been the one in that position who's been happy to do that. But so Danny was just thinking through what would constitute a uh, the first step towards lessening the the impact on Ruckman. What would and happen? He felt that that might 
that might be worth thinking about. Yeah. What would happen, Jared, if you took away the centre line? And no one else is allowed inside the circle, but if they were, it was almost the sumo wrestling circle. So they could ring around each other. If one could get around and a quick step, two, three jump, that would take away, I think, the full frontal bang. You're right. But we had that. We had that with the Primus rule. So, that, so, that, so Matty Primus used to come, there was no line, so you could come across and block the yep. jumper and you could, and then they removed that basically on the back of Matthew Primus being too dominant. And I remember at the time, Mark Williams was really critical of the AFL for saying that it was just directed at Matty Primus. So Jared's right. Why can't we, why do we look at that? Do we overreact to certain things? Like there, there wouldn't be a Matthew Primus right now in the game that's capable of doing that, but it'd be nice to be able to change things up and move your angles. Pitten is probably beaten. the closest. Probably. Because so, he's so, I, so heavy in the body. He's, he's very good at boundary line throw-ins, which is a simulation of that action. What are the Grundy, argument? Grundy might be good as well. But I just think we overreact at times to, to one player or one injury. You know, just, just, yeah, just relax. What of the Corey McKernan argument, Jared, that this is the only um, act or action in the game where one player is allowed to just look solely at the opponent and not yeah. at the ball and get away with it, which is Corey's <laughs> big on. But, I mean, you can both be looking at the ball and, and still cause PCL damage, can you not? Yeah, well, there's a bit of Russian roulette mm. in that, isn't there? But, Kane, you, you love the gladiatorial side of I, that, I, don't I you? I just do. I just I, I like the fact that you can go in there and make a big statement. And it takes some courage to do that. And I, that's what I, I didn't mind what Sean Darcy did. I mean, I just, I just think to put yourself in that position and, you know, to legally go and try and injure your opponent, it's been happening for years and mm. years and years. Like, it you don't have to look at the ball when you go for a tackle. Like you can actually crunch someone with a tackle without. But in a marking the ball. in a marking contest with a ball, yeah. which is comparative, then yeah. you no, can't. No, you do. Yeah, you do. but you can still you can still drive your knee into the back of an opponent and sort of pretend you're looking at the ball. So it's, there's still legal ways that you can injure. I thought you were a ball player too. <laughs> oh, listen to the dark arts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, damn, you can you can take over here if you like. <laughs> you're the, you're Pretty the hard to do that when you're in front. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it is, it is I, I think we have had my final saying would be we've had two injuries occur close to each other and that's raised the red flag. Mm. I've got a feeling we just keep the, that red flag just on hold, yeah. just see what happens. It's a combative sport and we don't want to get into the situation where every rule that we have, and it's a glorious sport that allows for physical contact, let's see how it pans out over an average length of time. Well, it's like the syndesmosis. I mean, how many syndesmosis ankle injuries do we have we seen in the last two years? Uh, and the AFL has done nothing to shorten the tackle or for the umpire to blow their whistle quicker, so you're not getting, you know, brought to the ground. So if you overreacted to every single injury, would be changing the rules all the time. Yeah, and that's why we shouldn't be doing anything ever within a season. Is let mm. it play out. Let the let particularly the ruckman of the day and also their coaches, you know, do do the study around that and then at the end of the season go we have constantly changed this to both uh and to protect the ruck contest but also to give the ruckman some sort of protection and just work out at the end of the year whether it's time for the next iteration of that and the biggest so that, that's sort of the minutiae the biggest issue for the game is the TV rights, Sam, because uh, the industry is set up that the money comes in from the TV rights, mm. uh, funds everything, players' wages, 
uh, the club's budgets themselves and it has obviously uh, the most distinct impact on fans. Indeed. And it's a big deal coming up, Jared. It always is, as you say, but everyone wants more money. The AFLW players want more money. The men want more money. We're talking about growing the game. We're talking about Tasmania coming in. So this is a, a big legacy piece almost for Gillam McLaughlin and, and one of his big uh, items on his to-do list. There'll be nothing left for his replacement to do, which is exactly how you want it. Obviously, they're over in the States at the moment. They're meeting. It is known. It's been reported. And it is fact that they're meeting with some of the streaming giants of the globe, the Paramount Pluses of the world, uh, Amazon as well. Given viewing habits have just changed so dramatically, haven't they, in, in recent years? And we're seeing the numbers at KO this year. So... They're over there for about a week or so. They've flown into New York, I'm told. But otherwise, uh, uh, scant on detail here, Jared. They've, they've, they've shut up shop, the AFL. is a, a covert nature about this. So other than to say that it's coming to a head sooner rather than later, they need to get a, a move on um, with, with the next block of rights, which were renegotiated for, for 23 and 24, of course, in the face of COVID. So it is a big arrangement. And what will we get as viewers going forward here? Will, will, our, will our viewing habits be changed forever? Are we moving more away from the prime time? And are we all about the streaming now? And will they get one game a week like they do in the NFL? Or will will we go back to our staples, our sevens and our nines and our tens? You have to the acknowledge. Most, the most interesting part, Dermot, as a starting point, is at a time where television has fragmented, you have one company trying to buy the whole lot. It's so bolshy by by Paramount 10 to make the play for the lot. Now, I suspect that's... My suspicion is it doesn't end there and it might get them in the game, but that they are, they're bold enough to step forward and go, no, we'll write the whole check and take on the entire game at a time where the media has fragmented like never before. Yeah, yeah, it, that would... You would think any company that does try and blanket bomb the whole thing and buy the, the, the enormity of what it is would have to on-sell some of it, but the AFL will probably say there is no deal unless we know every aspect of your plans for the coverage. We can't have our product being on-sold by you to a, th- a third party who we don't know that much about. We also have to take into account that the absolute behavioural patterns of the consumer has changed dramatically. Uh, we, we've all we're all close to young people who my kids or well, one of my children hasn't watched TV Free for so long. Yeah. Free to, it, it would not know how to do it. Just streams what yeah. they want to stream. They just purchase off that streaming their entire life and what they deem to be worthy of spending their money on comes from that yeah. stream. And the numbers reflect that. So the seven numbers are down, we know, this year, Jared, and their KO numbers have absolutely skyrocketed. And the Foxtel numbers are down. And Foxtel and KO are But is our decline. sport ready for that seismic change? Because I think we're all emotionally, mentally locked into we turn the TV on, whether it's a pay uh, you know, we pay a, a thirty, forty, fifty dollars a month, or we get free to wear, and we can see our football team on the weekend. We're all locked into that. But we're talking three years from now as well, though, Jared. Don't yes, forget. Yes, yes. So this and, is three years away. Cast your eye toward where that deal finishes. One hundred percent. And trying to project what. Mm. So Dermot's right. We we are a a unique television market. We we share no commonalities in Australia to what happens in the states and the UK, where it's the the um, paying for TV has been a way of life and nobody second guesses yep. it. But the streaming part of it, so you've you've identified there, Dermot, the generational split. 
Yep. There'll be one portion of our football community that will be hugely fretful of this, and there'll be another part going, you old people and the way that you sit through ads, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, there's pop-up in the corner, and, and then they, they then they link onto that, and then and that person knows where that link's come from when they've sold it to person X, and then they decide to, no, I'm withdrawing my sponsorship dollars from free-to-wear TV because I've got direct touch with the person. I know where that person's purchase uh, uh, backtrack came from. It's a, a completely and utterly different world. I didn't understand it, I reckon, until about six months ago. I didn't want to understand it. But we've got to get our head around it, that that is the changing face of, of the population around us. Anyone under 25, that's the way they do business. Mm. I kind of like the idea of having slots owned by a separate entity. So uh, I know it's a, it's a bit American, but... Fox that was 10 and like, 9 five, uh, 10 years ago. 10 yeah. and 9. I think, Jared, yep. you were doing the boundary back yep. then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Founda- so, foundation member of the Channel 10 football team. Too. Yeah, well, there you go. put that on my profile again. <laughs> yeah, so, so 10, might, 10 might own Saturday night, and then Paramount might have... Paramount might Thursday, Foxtel might have Monday night, and the AFL. And you make it your there. own, yeah. And, and you and, and then you build products around that, so it feels like you've got more. So I, I get the point that your attention spans are shorter, but we've got to look to and where they are at the moment in America. Like NFL broadcasts last you know, over nearly four hours. So what would happen? It is so valuable, Kane. What would happen then if you had that split between the two, mm. a, a free to wear or two free to wears, and or a a, a pay per view? But there was a slot also owned by a streaming service. How would mm. that affect the psyche of the over thirties? <laughs> yeah, well, it would be tough, wouldn't it? Because you you would be forced to sign up everywhere. Yeah, mm. I'd be you'd, I'd be first to, forced to get Foxtel or Ko, and then Paramount, and then you'd have your your free to wear mm. portion. Amazon, so, or, yeah, a, a massive change in the way that we've uh, viewed football for such a long period. And, of time. And then, can I pose a question too that? If they're going to be paying billions, which that's the sound of it, they're going to want something for their money. They're going to want a return. They want to want greater access. And I, I put this on the table last on Thursday with, with with the two Andys, and that was poor Paddy McCartan. What actually transpired yeah. then? They want that type of access. Some people will say no, it's invasive, and just for the if you have not heard that conversation we had. It came down to us at halftime. He was a tremendous young man, manager, but he, he wonderfully, he, he passed it by Hutto and myself. I think Kingy was there, but he didn't pass judgment on it. And he asked about the footage we were looking at of Paddy McCartan when he'd come off. And we said, there is a story there, but leave the young man with his privacy in his domain of his change room. So we said, show him talking to the doctor who said, the made delivery of the news to him that he'd no longer be participant in the game, and then when he's looking away, leaning on the locker, that's that's another one which is heart wrenching, but it shows the disappointment. And we went go with that, leave out everything in the middle where he's dropping to his haunches, and you can see the despair on him. You can, he's dropping his ha- head into his hands, and all those types of actions. There was a fair bit of it. We didn't show that. We, th- we Anthony and myself said, no, leave him with his dignity there. 
shows thereafter did it. Now, I don't know whether we're right or wrong. That was just a personal read so by how us. So did you refl- how did you view John Longmire's comments? That uh, shouldn't have been shown. Uh, yeah, I, I listened to John, and, I th- and I'm only second-guessing here. I think John blended the whole amount of footage that was eventually shown into one. I, I, I feel, and it was our call, I feel the first two aspects we showed, the delivery of the news and the disappointment of him facing away, leaning on the locker, I thought that was enough to show the story, and it was a massive mm. story. Some people mm. will say, show the lot. That's the story. I, I, I can totally see John's point of view where he wants the protection, the emotional protection over uh, – sorry, the protection over that young man's emotions and, and them, them being on display. I totally get that. There is a big story here and, and people want to see the real-life heartfelt emotions. We just took away the, the bits which were really deep. But they eventually got shown on other other programs. So and they got shown once it was known what the outcome was. Mm-hmm. So that's so. He was out of the game though. So we knew yeah. that. We knew that, and the reason he was out of the game was because he'd failed the test. That was the outcome. Can clubs not get better here as well by going to the broadcaster in the moment to say this is why you're seeing what you're seeing. This is why he's up. This is the ac- absolutely how it stands at the moment. I'm we tried. We called and they were very good with the information they let out but they didn't let everything exactly. out at that stage. And and Jared, they were still at the airport Sydney and they were angry over the vision then. So it was always coming from John Lomai. They hadn't even left the state and they were aware of what had been shown and they were a bit upset about it then but I think more clarity. Some clubs do it really well. Admittedly, it's not their A1 priority in the moment when you're trying mm-hmm. to win a game of football, of course, but it'd be nice to have that two-way communication. I totally understand, too, that yeah. I'm still, I've divorced myself from being a player, which takes a while because you, you kind of have protection over your kin. I've done that because I've been out of it long enough, but I still felt, and I still feel right to this moment, the club room, the the change room is the domain of the player. We do have cameras in there. The clubs permit us to have cameras in there. So it is a discretion call on what we Not sure they it. get much of a say, to be honest. That, that's true. That is true. But it is our discretion call what we put to air because as per the agreement, we have that camera mm. there. I think we showed due discretion at that point in time. This is the second flashpoint because came out Hayden Crozier earlier in the year that arguably was a little bit more dramatic, but it then emerged obviously that things were on delay, things had been recorded, and once it was established that the player was was healthy and safe and and everything was fine, then they showed it. But of course, if you're at home watching in real time, you're not privy to that information. Yeah, I was watching that one going, that, that, that that was a bit uncomfortable that one. Clubs need to be aware that there are rooms in change rooms that don't have cameras in them. And Players get injected multiple times per game, and that's not broadcast because you're not administering the painkilling injection in the middle where cameras can see it. There's doctor's rooms, there's physio rooms, there's rooms where the players get changed. So I think the camera in that warm-up area is is fair game, really. And it, really. But, but, I, mm. but I'm with you, Doom. I can understand... I can understand John John's comments, and I'm not critical of him for making that because the best coaches always support their player, and it's really sensitive. But if they had their time again, you clearly identify where the doctor's room is and take him into that area 
so that that. Can't but you know where we're broadcast. at. Paddy's standing in the middle of that change room. The doctor's approaching him. He doesn't yeah. want to go off into a room to hear the bad news. He's ready to say, "Thanks, doc. I'm running back out." Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. that's yeah, where yeah. it gets delivered, and that's just that's just the moment. The other part of it was, Jerry, that Sydney did admit privately that there was a portion of it, and we've seen it a lot with players who were ruled out with concussion. They're left on their own in the rooms once the doctor leaves. Then it's just Paddy left to his own devices. So Sydney will make sure that doesn't happen again either, because I think they want to have someone around the player at all times, not just for health and safety reasons, but just for counselling, basically, in the moment. Apparently, a lot of the... And, and yeah, probably been skittled a few times, and one of the features that, that, that crops up when you are somewhat concussed is you don't accept it and you vibrantly... Yeah. We saw that with Jack Revolt, didn't we? Yeah. A few years ago, yeah. The MCG you, you, where he wanted to come back out. Well, you it. argue the situation, and that we, we had footage of... Paddy arguing the situation as well, mm. and and Anthony and myself said said to the young producer Dan said no, don't show it, don't show it, leave le- leave the man with his dignity. Yeah, yeah. So there were there were choices made along the way. I feel like a, a small element of this is the Swans would prefer that there was no public conversation around mm-hmm. Paddy McCartan because yep. of how sensitive it, sensitive it is and how distressing it is for the family. Uh, and I, I think I've sort of trampled past that point on 360, which I didn't mean to, but um, it is such... These case studies, it's the same in the Will Pukowski scenario in cricket. These case studies are so public at the moment because this is the... This is the evolving edge of how sport is confronted with and how it deals with concussion now, where the sports have been and where they will eventually get to, and that it is, uh, it would be derelict not to discuss them, but the, the private side of it is just so... Uh, it is graphic and yeah. it's it's agonising. I, you know, I know Will Pukowski and I. You know, it's it's awful discussing it publicly on some fronts, and yet this is right at the heart of sports grapple with mo- what modern concussion looks like. Uh, the issues before us on, on crunch time. Before we zero in on what's coming this afternoon and the remainder of round seven, it's Geelong and Fremantle coming up at Kidinia Park. The award-winning Crunch Time. The Round 7 edition of Crunch Time. Dermot Brereton and Kane Corns in place. Jared Waitley and Sam Edmonds. So two of the biggest opinion makers in our game who fuel the conversation not only from week to week but indeed from day to day. And the inevitable friction piece that exists within that with the participants, uh, with those who would uh, run their clubs, with those who would play the game. So, Sam, you and I, so we're, we're the uh, practitioners, if you like, and then um, Kane and Dermot are the opinion makers. I, I've, this dynamic I find really interesting. So maybe first to you, Sam, because you're on the beat. The idea that, so Kane has an opinion on something and then... The beat reporters take that and ask that to the people associated with. Like it, it that that that's going to cause inevitable conflict. I'm not sure about the worth or the wisdom of it. Why can't Kane's opinion just stand as Kane's opinion for us all to debate? Here's how the week works, Jared. Kane has an opinion. Derm has an opinion. I'm going to roll our good friend David King into this as well. Now, aside from matters like injury tribunal. 
um, obvious things like that. The week goes around fueled by opinion. Kane's got one. Derm's got one. Kingy's got one. There's a couple of others as well. Now, the opinion is launched at the start of the week, off the back of the weekend, Jared. And then we get into the week where the coaches or whoever's been critiqued or criticised or had an opinion put forward on are then available to the media. Now, if you are working the beat and you're going to these press conferences, you think, how can I ask this coach something different? How can I elicit a response that is going to be of worth and of interest? Oh, Kane said this earlier about um, Ken Hinckley. I'm going to ask Ken Hinckley what he thinks about Kane. Then comes the response. Into the mix master it goes. We get to the next weekend of football and the cycle repeats, Jared. That's essentially how it works. <laughs> so I guess I, I would proffer it. So our football conversation owes so much to those who are prepared to put their view forward. Yes. And then it feels like they they take a kicking from the people who, frankly, shouldn't care. So I'll put this forward. Adam Simpson shouldn't care what Kane thinks, and if he does, he's not concentrating on his job. So it's inevitable that this is the answer when Simpson is asked about Kane's thoughts around Elliot Yo. To be honest, I haven't read anything that Kane Corns has written or, or heard anything he said, so irrelevant is what comes to my mind about what his opinion is. And Elliot Yo has not played football for the last two and a half years, really. He's had osteitis, um, he had a calf injury, and he got knocked out at the start of the second quarter. He's played two games this year. Um, so, yeah, I think that's a little bit unfair, if that's the criticism on, on him. Um, he's played, I don't know, 12 or 13 games in the last 40. So I, he's working really hard, and I'll back him in. And it's still irrelevant. So just before we talk to Kane and Dermot, who are actually yeah. the central figures, it strikes me that in the States, Sam, the reporters don't go to the coach's press conference and say, oh, Stephen A. Smith said this during the week. What do you think? Now, I might be wrong about that, but I don't think I am. There's it only- just stands as th- this is the view yep. and then go to the club and find out what's going on about what's there's, going on. There's a thirst for content that goes from Sunday to Sunday, though, Jared. So you've only got a handful of, well, let's call them agenda setters, if you like, whose opinions actually matter. There's a lot of other opinion out there. It gets spouted all the time throughout the week, 24-7. But there's only a couple that have the credentials that mean that their opinions hold some weight. And Kane, Derm, Kingy, and the, and the other guys are amongst that group. So, then so when it, Kane, do, does it irk you at all that your words, and sometimes the questions aren't nearly as precise as they might yeah. be around what you've said and the re-quoting. And again, I say Adam Simpson shouldn't be paying. If he's burying himself in your thoughts, then he truly is lost. You're the participant in the middle of it. How do you feel about the way the cycle operates? Well, I think there, 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 are, there are people that are scared to have a strong opinion, and that, and, and that is okay. Um, but there, there is less and less people wanting to have a strong opinion now for the world that we live in and 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 that's fine I'm I'm not one of those clearly and I'm clearly to, happy to call it as I see it your second point there is the question isn't often asked the right way so th- so this is a comment I made on AFL 360 on Monday night about Elliot Yo and the way that he presented yep. him sorry classified on Monday night and the way he presented himself <laughs> <laughs> and then I followed it up with a column in the West Australian um, which it sort of outlines my point and it, you know it's 900 it's 901 words so there's a fair bit in this column now I'd be surprised perhaps if the reporter has read the full column and the context um, I do find it 
I do find it funny when the person who was asked the question says, I haven't read or heard the comments. 97% of the time, that's a lie. Because they, they have clearly read or heard the comments. We both used to say that, Kane. We both we, we were oh, players. No, I haven't read, read that. By uh, God, we'd read it. Oh, it's like when you make, you make the comment about uh, Sydney Stack doing a triple backflip off a cliff at the start of the season, and someone will say, oh, I haven't heard the comments. But then they jump on Twitter and they defend it, and then they sort of back up their players. So I, I always get a little bit of amusement out of that. They have read the comments. Uh, to, I don't have a massive issue with... Uh, the question being asked though, because I'll give you an example. I had Ken Hinckley on the radio yesterday and we were discussing how they handle coaches handle press conferences. And I said, Kenny, you were criticized heavily for an answer you gave in a post-mass press conference by Ben Dixon about not giving up on the season. Um, you know, how, how do you respond to that? So I do it myself. And I think you'd be, if you had access to the person who's been heavily criticized yeah. and you didn't ask the question, Sam, I think you'd be negligent in your job as a... And as a right of reply with that too. And it it will always be the case, but it it shouldn't be necessarily that you you have to jump on the grenade cane for your opinion because they are just opinions. You know, they're not black and white. So I've got some empathy with you in that degree, but it's always been the way, Jared. When we're looking for con, we're looking for content. We're just trying to get John Longmire. Someone said this about your horse. Yeah. What would you like to say? I to think it? I think the best way is when, like, if I had have been a, have access to Adam Simpson, like if he had to say, "Hey, Sim, I said this about Elliot. Yeah, I, I, I don't think his preparation has been up to scratch by the way that I'm viewing him and his performance and the way that he's presenting himself and how out of shape he looks. What's your response? And then just mm. shut up and then. And then we can debate that. That's that's the best ones. And you've had, you know, I've had that multiple times with people. They're rare through circumstances, and he may never want to come on the radio with me ever again because you know he says that I'm irrelevant. That's fine, but they're the best ones where you can go back and forth a little bit and debate it on air, and they give their side and you give yours. Yeah, it's a, a rare beast, but it, it's worth going back in time to talk about his nickname is the beast grant thomas grant thomas would suffer some criticism when you'd post it to put it to him tomo such and such has been said about you uh tomo such and such has been said about you and your team and tomo would you know most bikes say oh that doesn't bother me it does bother them tomo genuinely was one who went oh did he oh good on him <laughs> and it didn't bother him he just yeah. he, he was so good at not letting that take his attention. I so admired him for the way he treated the media like that. Even last night, there was an aspect last night. I just wrote it down. And it was a, 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 an exchange between Daisy Pierce and Hodgie. And Luke Hodge, who's a triple premiership player, premiership I know what you're referring captain. To, yeah. And Hodgie said, and it was unbelievable. I wrote it down because it was, it was something we never hear between the dual special comments. Hodgie basically said, I think it's time to throw Gov forward yeah, yeah. Um, and swap him. And I think it was Darling he mentioned as well. You've Darling got go to, back. Yep. Yeah, Darling go back and get Gov forward. Just get a different look at it. Yep. And Daisy said, no, Hodgie, they won't do that. They like to be settled where they are. They're and looking I've, to be settled. They haven't yeah, been settled for a yeah, long time. And I thought to I'd myself, leave it. what 
But <laughs> yes, that was it. Well, I thought, what part of nine goals down in 30 minutes is the bit that looks settled to you? I thought it was worth a go. Now, they didn't, so Daisy was right, but I reckon Luke was right for posing the question. To hear him challenged, I loved it that she challenged him and mm. said, no, I don't care that you're one of the greatest captains history's ever had. I'm challenging your thoughts there. I thought it was fantastic. To, to, to answer it, the question of the media side of things, Jared, the, the hard part is, so then Adam Simpson has said that. Then you get the, the outlets. And just, just to use Fox Footy Online for this one example, they've then taken his comments and, and wrote an article. And the headline is, fair to say Adam Simpson isn't tuning in to watch Kane Corns. And he's got his quote of, to be honest, I haven't read anything that Kane Corns has written or heard or anything that he said. And then you get the pylon from from the people out there, but they don't know what the debate is about. Um, so that's the, that's the hard part. And all media outlets do it. We do it at, at But you SCN. don't worry about the pylon, do you? No, I, I, I don't worry about I don't worry, I don't care about the pylon and I don't read it, but it is designed for a pylon. So there's no yeah, nuance in what there's no nuance in what it's not even any reference of what the story is about, mm. other than Adam Simpson having a crack at me and a link to the article. So that's I guess that's the that's the way that it works now, and I'm I'm really comfortable with that, and, and and you're on both sides of it. But that's that's the tricky part of it. So the next cycle begins as the games get played for round <laughs> seven. The bounce back for Dura Veg, providing erosion control and environmental revegetation. This is the Bulldogs and Essendon game, which is laced with such intrigue. I was interested. What did you think, Dermot, of the decision to drop Dylan Shield? So obviously, a lot has been spoken about behind the scenes. And he hasn't modified his, I imagine, defensive behaviours to what the coach has asked. And finally, he's gone, well, you're not playing anymore. It's it's a really strong statement, isn't it? Given We look from the outside and we just look at the, the, the quality, the worth of that player for what he's capable of. And then we see the decision and we say, well, does that decision to drop him match... Uh, losing that much talent in the team. There must have been a hefty reason. I mean, as, as, a, as a person who has a soul for, for all things Hawthorne, when he was up, he is the one I was most disappointed about that Hawthorne missed picking up. So that's how much regard I have for him. So what they've been, as you called, asking him to attempt to achieve and what he's actually been laying out for them, it must be poles apart poles apart to drop a player who is one of the I mean there's undoubtedly you could list your your, your, your top whatever number players in the comp but, but for players who have devastating capabilities to split games that young man Dylan Shield he's in the top 20 of the league for what he is his best football is devastating and we don't see it what and we don't see what he's been asked to deliver as well. It's spot on. So the way that the game's played now, you need big-bodied midfielders with elite speed and power who get front-half possessions and are capable of hitting the scoreboard. Now, yes, he's not a great kick, but neither is Dangerfield. Neither is Fife. Neither was Clayton Oliver. But they have attributes that just are just suited to the way football is played now. So what, what is happening at Essendon where you have a best and fairest winner in Devin Smith who has fallen off a cliff to the point where he was dropped last week. And you've got Dylan Shield who would be in the top, 
I would say, 10% of highly paid players in the league with massive money still remaining on that seven-year contract, that they haven't been able to get him to play a role that is, to use your word, devastating in this game. So I, I don't know what is going on at the Bombers for this to happen. Um, and it's quite shocking that he's Surely he has to take onus too. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, and he must. Yeah. He's had issues with his body, but everything you hear about him, that he's just fully professional and invested, maybe maybe to his detriment at times. There was a stage, Kane, and as you know, I, I did a little bit at, at GWS. There was a time when I saw him as the next captain of GWS. Mm. He was that good in the preparation. He was that good around the place. I, I, that's the, the, the esteem in which he was – I viewed him as. We missed round two to go to a leadership course, Jared, earlier in the yeah. year. So he's – yeah, it's a curious one. We're gearing up for all the action today for Dometic. Everything you need for adventures, big or small, mobile living made easy, Dometic Outdoor. The award-winning Crunch Time. Who needs a rever for Harley Heaven? The Harley Davidson Pan America is coming to Harley Heaven in Melbourne, Dandenong and Ringwood. Visit harleyheaven.com.au for details. The rev up for Harley Heaven, the home of Harley Davidson, clearly belongs here to the Giants, Kane Corns. There's a moment in the a coaching cycle where the players have to circle up and produce one performance to ease the pressure on the man in charge, and that is the Giants players' responsibility today for Leon Cameron when they have line to, up against yeah. the Crows. Have to deliver today. It was a game that they won last year on this ground, and if you had penciled this in at the start of the year, the Giants start heavy favourites. They start underdogs for obvious reasons. I thought they were pretty good for a half last Friday night against the Saints, highly competitive around the ball, um, but then their skill level in that third quarter was... You know, not as bad as what we saw from West Coast last night, but it was pretty bad for that stretch. So they made some horrible errors. They need their leaders to absolutely have a crack and, and have a dip today. I want to put the focus and the rev up on Himmelberg because he's got too much talent to be delivering what he has delivered so far in this season, Jared. So that's one person who needs a rev up in the Giants unit that can get them going today. Turn your daily commutes into a daily thrill-seeking adventure at Harley Heaven Melbourne, Ringwood and Dandenong. Time for Sam Edmund and Dermot Burton to take a little dabble. Enjoying Crunch Time Banter? Check out Dabble Banter channels and copy Crunch Time Bets. Go on, have a dabble. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. Yes, indeed, it is time for a dabble for Round 7. It's time to bring our man Josh in, of course. Josh, you've got some front showing up today after what your Eagles dished up last night, mate. Why are you going to do me like that, Sam? Like, you know, I'm just trying to live my life, trying to forget the past. Too soon. Tell you what, wasn't that shocking? How do you how do you even come back from that? I don't even know what to do anymore. Do I keep following them or what? <laughs> well, let's park it for now, then. And let's, let's distractions are powerful tool, Josh. So for those who are unfamiliar, tell us about Dabble and how it works. Yeah, so Dabble is the social media of the betting world. So, of course, we offer you standard bets where you can, you know, play the same game multi. You can go to the horse racing, uh, your footy, of course. But what we do as well is it's the social media where we can follow other punters like yourself, the experts, or your friends, and then just simply copy other people's bets, which is brilliant. So this week, Josh, we're going with another upset in the early game this week. Fremantle uh, to win down in Geelong. Now, that's a big call with the injuries they've got, but we're backing ourselves in. Then Adelaide to continue their hot form. How impressive have they been? This time against GWS. St Kilda are going to make it six straight in Cairns, Josh. I can tell you that now. Or the Blues will be too good for North <laughs> Melbourne. But we would be nowhere without the great man Dermot Brereton, who's here, five days. 
day five night. He's been on fire. Oh, he's got such great form. He could have been an Olympic diver, I reckon. He's an incredible Nick. Uh, Dan, what are you liking as well? I'm hearing what you two are saying, but I cannot <laughs> see, I can't see uh, Fremantle knocking over the Cats at home. But one thing I can see is you go through all the scores that the Fremantle Dockers are conceded, 62, 59, 54, 47, yes. 65. You notice a trend there? They're not letting teams score against them. I think it'll be a dour contest. Geelong will try and win by choking the game down and relying on forward, superior forward talent. I think it'll be an under 151.5 game. I can't <laughs> see it being a big scoring affair, so I'll go mm. for the unders there. Uh, and the ball's going to be in both teams' back lines doing a bit of jigging around and whatever. So I think Tommy Stewart's very good at finding it in that type of game. So I've gone for Tommy Stewart 25 plus. And in, I'm going for another one. I'm going for another multi, Adelaide v GWS. <laughs> and I am completely at ends with you, blokes. I reckon Jesse Hogan's the best at finding mm. the ball when it comes in for the Giants. Toby will give him a bit of support mm. up there now. So Jesse Hogan's two goals plus. And in the other one, Demons are going to have the ball in their forward line a fair bit. So James Sicily 25. I'll tell you what, I Getting a bit lost. I was going to have to start making some notes and follow along. But this is a good thing about Dabble. I don't have to remember any of it. I can just jump on, download the app, follow the Crunch Time AFL team, follow Dermy23, get all these expert analysis, copy the bet with one click, and go on, have a dabble, dabble socially, and gamble responsibly. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. So, Kane, this afternoon at GMHBA Stadium, Geelong and Fremantle, where will, uh, where will you draw your conclusions, do you reckon, here? Well, we're trying to work out, you know, I think we, we're really all obviously impressed by what Fremantle have done. We're, I'm trying to work out, are they genuine contenders? Or are they are they just going to be happy to make the finals and lose first final like Essendon last year? Or, or can they actually compete and potentially make a prelim? And we'll find out a bit about that because no one goes to Geelong and wins. And the record is there for everyone to see. And, and Brendan Sanderson knows the ground as well as anyone, Jared, who'll do the call with you. So mm. if they manage to... Um, perform to a level that is, I, I, I don't know how they win considering the outs that they've got and how they kick a winning score without Taberner, but if they produce a really competitive, combative performance, um, then I'll start to really stand up and take notice. But I would think Geelong on that ground um, will be too strong for them. It, it, it would be a seismic result for the season if they do yeah, win, it would. won't it? Yeah, that's what I'm most looking forward to. Is uh, how do you assess Geelong team, yes. as well? Like, um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not totally yeah. sure yet. So, yeah, it, this is this is a real marker, and so is the way the weekend finishes. I can't wait to watch the Swans and the Lions uh, in the twilight on Sunday. Game of the round, that one. And then uh, I guarantee the loser out of Western Bulldogs and Essendon will lead your show on Monday night. Yeah. Do you agree? Yeah, I think, I think, the, that's I think the, the loser right. will, will lead all the Monday night shows. and that's There's two so tiers to that. I, if it's the Bulldogs who lose then those conversations which which everyone's edging towards but not quite ready to have, then, then they're full throttle. Yeah. Uh, and Essendon are totally cast, obviously, if they go to one and six. Mm, yeah, so there's, there's a lot riding on that one. And then there's some other interesting games as well. Like tonight's game in Cairns is fascinating for, for, for Port Adelaide. They're going to have to get on a run at some stage. Uh, it's in Cairns. They've been complaining a little bit about the route that they had to get there through Sydney and then to Cairns. So they're not completely happy with the AFL on that front. They need to stand up and make a statement as well. 
It's a lot before us, Sam. A lot before us. The North Melbourne game as well. There's a watch on North Melbourne. It has started, hasn't it? That seat under David Noble. Just getting a little warm as well mm. where we're talking about the way the media is trending. So that's a watch as well, particularly if it gets well and truly away from them again, North Melbourne. So that's one I've got a, I've got an eye on, Jared. But, uh, yeah, looking forward to today down your way. Matchups are rare these days. Hawkins, Cameron, Griffin Logue, Alex Pierce. We saw Logan Pierce. They were so good, weren't they, against Charlie Kerner and Harry McKay last week. Can they repeat the dose? It sets us up beautifully. Sam Kane, thanks for crunching with us. Thank you, Jared. Thanks, Sam. Cheers, guys. Crunch time in round seven. So the AFL Nation call, you'll, you'll find it through the app of the Cats and the Dockers. And the Giants have travelled to face uh, the Crows at Adelaide Oval. And fingers crossed that Melbourne don't lose any more before the opening siren in the twilight. Enjoy your Saturday of free. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now.